Hello and welcome to episode number 62 of the Perth to Paisley podcast, the podcast focusing on the football club that is no longer the only unbeaten team in the Scottish Cinch Premiership, Heart of Midlothian. We will get to that, however, we've got a lot to get through this week and by we, I of course mean myself, Daniel McIver and I am joined as ever by the, if you can see him on the YouTube video, delighted Adam Kennedy. Adam, how you doing? Oh, I'm ecstatic to be here, mate. Yeah, can't wait to gab about the Gorgie, given that now, like you say, the unbeaten streak's over. We've not won in four league games. You know, everything was so hunky-dory. And now, as soon as the title talk arrives, as soon as this, like, ambition, mentality, all this other nonsense comes out in the papers, lo and behold, our form declines as a result. I can't say I'm overly surprised, but nevertheless, I'll be delighted to chat about Hearts with you, mate. How, how are you? I'm alright, I've got a new laptop arriving tomorrow, so that'll be great, that's the high point of my life currently, but yeah, uh, things with our football team have not went as well as previous episodes, this is probably going to be, for the people who have been here for the, the long time listeners, harking back to last season's kind of level of happiness in the podcast, it's probably going to be more classic Adam and Daniel rant that we've had people go we've missed you doing them well they're back with a vengeance as you can tell by the way Adam is just currently sat fizzing waiting to get into it you know I I had the thought earlier I was like I know that we'll obviously get into the Aberdeen performance I was thinking where does this gauge in terms of like last season it was Brora and Aloha this season it's been Parkhead and now it's Pataudry like if we were to do like a comparison for when we started getting back into the pod, like where would all these performances rank in terms of like a rageometer? Because I can't lie, I think this is worse given how swimmingly everything was going before. You know, we were just This is worse than Bora! No, but do you know I think last season on the whole was just pain. It's been nice up to this point, <laughs> bar parkhead. And now you're starting to realise, oh yeah, it was just, it was all an illusion, it was all a dream. Um, but look, let's let's just get into it. We just we want this over. Let's just get into this. Well, as I said, we've got a lot to talk about, so we're having to kind of do things slightly differently. We normally start with around the ground, and we are doing so. However, we're only covering some of the fixtures, the midweek fixtures to be exact, from last week. And then when we cover the Aberdeen game, we will then do the rest of the weekend's fixtures there. So, last week, exactly as this podcast comes out, actually... I and about 3,500 other Hearts fans were travelling up to a soaking wet Perth as Hearts took on St Johnston. And it was... Listen, I'll be totally up front. I can't speak a lot about the first half as I missed the first 31 minutes trying to get in and because it took two and a half hours to drive from Tynecastle to Perth. So that was a great laugh and then we couldn't get parked. Then when we got in... Couldn't get a seat because folk were in our seats, so we're standing, so I had to go and find other seats. And yeah, so what we missed was the fact that Josh Ginelli got his first start in ages. I can't think if it's his first start of the season yet, but it was his first start in a very long time. What did you think of the team when you first saw it? Um, I think I, like everybody else, was you know, just devastated to learn that Liam Boyce would not make it, uh, first and foremost. Um, surprised to see 
Alex Cochran drop out because we're both big admirers of Alex Cochran. Both have said on countless occasions that he hasn't put a foot wrong so far this season for Hearts. Um, and the other change was, yeah, Gino, a surprise start uh, for Ben Woodburn dropping out, which I'd obviously voiced my concerns regarding Ben Woodburn, so I was pleased to see Gino given a chance. But I don't think I was wanting it off the back of that Dundee result, given I thought that he was terrible off the bench. So surprised and slightly confused as to why he was given the start at McDermott Park rather than at Tynecastle against Dundee. Um, but yeah, th- three changes. Obviously, I-, I know that having the weekend fixture would obviously have been a big part of the reason as to why we did make three changes. But three pretty surprising ones. Obviously, Boyce being the exception, given that's enforced. But the other two, I was, I was pretty shocked, in all honesty. Well, the, the shocking revelations kept coming as within the first 10 minutes, we apparently got off to a shockingly bad start. That's not a shock. No, that's true. Um, and St. Johnson got a corner inside 10 minutes. They cross it in. I'd be polite in saying it's a good cross. It's a very clearable cross. However, it manages to somehow get through absolutely everybody and end up at the back post where Liam Gordon just casually passes it into the back of the net. Now, as I say, I can't really speak about much of this opening half an hour, but I have seen the goal. I have seen the defending for the goal, if you can even call it defending. It's... The, the main word that just brings to mind for me is it's like it's like primary school defending. They just don't know... They don't look like they know what they're doing. I think that's generous. It's like 10 outfield strangers meeting one another for the first time. I mean... I can't think of too many rank goals that we've conceded off the top of my head this mm-hmm. season, which maybe does speak volumes about kind of the defensive unit on the whole... But seriously, I mean, it's just an absolutely disgusting goal to concede. I think Craig Halkett loses Liam Gordon far too easily at the back stick for one. Benny Beningame seems too occupied with Chris Kane rather than... I'm not saying he should ditch his man, but when the ball's sent over courtesy of a deflection or two into such a dangerous area, surely your first instinct is to, you know... um, not ditch your marker but certainly get rid of the pressure and and we just I mean 10 minutes in and it seems as though you're switching off from a set piece which then speaks volumes about kind of where we're at like why why are we so slow to start we know that McDermott Park's a tricky place for us to go it's been well documented that our last win there was 2012 in the league was 2010 and yet we were looking to put, you know, the Dundee performance and result right. Why do we then get off to such a sluggish start against a side that we've got a historically poor record against? Especially this side who, to be honest, this season has not been guilty of that. Early goal against Celtic, 3-0 against Livingston, 2-0 against Motherwell, 1-0 against Dundee United. We've we've been going into half-times, for example, ahead and comfortably. However, this very much felt like a different side. And, and also, I mean, I'm not being funny, McIver. We've come up against better St. Johnston sides than this one. We even said that last week. And, you know, they're missing Sean Rooney through injury. They were missing Michael O'Halloran, I think, through injury. Two of their better players. 
And Sean Rooney's obviously one of their main threats yeah. aerially and from a set piece. So when you take him out of the equation and we still find a way to concede from one, I'm scratching my head going, how how can that possibly be the case? Given we're aware of the threat. You know, St Johnston, with all due respect, I think are one of the teams that play for set pieces. They know what their strengths are. And chances are they'll play for set pieces because they know that they have a decent chance of scoring from them. How we can you know, counter that is is just beyond me. And so early on in the game, the the positive I think is that the fact that it is so early on, so we've got yeah. plenty of time to respond. But come on, I mean, let's get off to a decent start. Well, We're wanting to put that rancid record behind us. We didn't get off to a great start, <laughs> and then the rest of the sec- uh, first half kind of continued that way. So Johnson, their fans were very happy with the way the first half was going. Um, they were, I wouldn't say dominating the ball, but they definitely looked like if there was any other team to get another goal in the game, it was going to be them. However, gradually, we started to kind of get back in the game, and this is where I can now start talking about the game, as I got a seat. And it is almost as if when me and my dad and brother sat down, hearts went, right, they're here, now we can start oh, playing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Because the McIvers are now in everybody's presence yeah. in Perth. They've thought, exactly. let's, let's turn the style on. Yeah, Exactly, and I appreciate it because we win the ball in the middle of the park. And again, I'm going to be generous here. Armand Nandwili probably just punches the ball into the ground and grabs it, basically. I can't think of any other way he'd say it. He just grabs the ball, holds it tight to his chest and turns. Ali Crawford then runs in and attempts to kind of get amongst it. He's then fouled. However, the ref doesn't pick it up. It ends up at Benny Beningame's feet, who plays a lovely little pass to Josh Janelli, who was in a very central role at this point, and just kind of does what Gino does that we've been wanting them to do all this season, where he just runs at people, because he's very fast, especially when he has the ball. Really nice close contact and a fantastic finish to level it all up. Now, I was obviously driving back home and listening to sports sounds as it was going on, and Callum Davidson was being interviewed as it as we got into the car, and Kenny McIntyre was speaking to him and saying, now Callum, you're kind of famous for being quite reserved, calm, on the touchline. However, he was losing his mind at that goal. What did you make of the goal itself, but also the build-up that led to it? He's got... I think he's got every right to be incensed, to be honest. Um, Look, I'm not going to kid on like I wouldn't be hauling opponents back for it. I would be rightfully raging. Um, But by the same score, you know, we're at the halfway line. We've still got a lot to do. Benny Beningame, it's an absolutely gorgeous ball. And I'm just dead chuffed for Gino. You know, I, I think Barry Mackay, who I want to talk about later on as well, has been our best wide player for probably since he signed, actually, yeah. to, to be honest. Um, and yet, Ben Woodburn hasn't really worked so far yet. Gary Mackay-Steven will obviously touch on as well. So... It, I think we Barry needs a partner and I'd like for it in future fixtures to be Josh Ginelli, um, particularly given you know, his involvement at the weekend. But for this goal, I, I just think he's so cool and composed. You know, how many times would we see a player try and knock it 
beyond the defender. He just weighs up Jamie McCart and says, right, I'll take you on. Not a problem. It's like, even though Josh Janelli's travelling at speed, it's as though time slows down, given like... Do you know what I mean? He doesn't immediately look to burst past him. He kind of does a couple step overs, looks to take him on, gets the better of him. I actually think he slips when he shoots, <laughs> which makes the finish even more impressive, uh, given that it flies past Sander Clark in a flash um, and nestles into that bottom corner. And a great goal at a good time as well, because I think what well, is then coming up to kind of five minutes. Yeah, there's four minutes half left. Time. Yeah. Yep. So decent that we managed to haul ourselves level having conceded that disgusting goal from earlier on and then from there on in I can't really have any complaints about the performance it was more the sluggish start then countered with a great goal but I I went full Dave Cormack I was thinking how the heck did we not win that game which then makes it all the more frustrating when you see the results surrounding it either side Definitely well. As you say, we come out of the second half and what I think was very, I don't know if game-changing, but it definitely had an impact on the game, is that St Johnston, who have been having their injury woes, had to make a double change at half-time, losing two out of their three centre-halves. Uh, one of the replacements being Effie Ambrose, and I think there was an element of Barry Mackay, especially who... Barry McKay was playing in a weird position, I felt, for most of that game. He wasn't quite out on the far left. He was he was far more central. And it seemed to change at, at half-time. And I think an element of that was the fact that Effie Ambrose was there and McKay just started running at Ambrose constantly. And as you said, from then on, we started to dominate a lot more of the ball. Uh, Cami Devlin and Benny became far more settled than they did in the first half and really started to control the midfield. Suter and Kingsley started to actually press up as they normally do coming out the back three. Gino had a really good game and just felt like the Josh Ginelli we've kind of been missing out. You seem to take issue with that. No, that's that's what I was going to touch on because you said that Barry Mackay picked up a central position. Do you feel as though he and Josh Ginelli are doing so in order to be more involved in the game. In recent weeks, we seem to be hitting the bylines and crossing, you know, it's been for Boyce Mm -hmm. predominantly, who isn't the tallest. I know he's decent in the air when he does win it, but I don't know. I I feel as though, bizarrely, previously we perhaps should have been coming centrally to support Boyce and going out wide to cross for Nandwile, yet we've seemed to do the opposite. It's like when we've got Nandwili, who's what, 6'4", 6'5", we decide that we want to be narrow and come short, when surely that's more Liam Boyce's game, and vice versa. We cross for Liam Boyce, who's, what, 5'11", 6 foot? Yeah. Like, and then we've got Nandwili, who's a good 4 or 5 inches taller than he is. So, I don't, I don't know what the script is there, but, yeah, I, I just feel as though even... I've seen a lot this week with regards to kind of criticism surrounding our midfield players not chipping in with goals and whilst it's a great point to raise it's definitely something to consider is us opting to go that little bit narrower trying to you know combat that I, I don't know it's it's, a, it's it's just something that I've thought of there just as you said it because again even on Saturday we'll get to it later on Barry Mackay looked much better when, when he'd obviously come on and was floating centrally because previously he hadn't been involved in the game. Definitely, and you mentioned him there, so we'll speak about him now. After the Dundee game, 
Armand Nandwili deservedly got a lot of stick for his performance uh, off the bench. However, I felt personally being there, he was one of our best players on the night. He was involved in pretty much everything. Uh, he had There was one chance that I feel like he probably should score that. He had a header that he just put down the throat of Xander Clark when if he goes to either side, he probably scores it. But... That wasn't the one on half time, was it? Because the one no. from Halliday's corner was I thought it was a good header. That was and fantastic. He, and yeah. then and then the rebound he kinda shunts wide as well. Yeah. I think Armand Nand really had to put in that performance at McDermott. And I agree with you, I think the only thing that was missing from his game was a goal. Yeah. Um I'd 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 felt he was a nuisance, but again it's just just need to be that little bit more clinical, but it's not just solely him. I mean, and could... I would say Xander Clark made two unbelievable saves against him. And when you see Xander Clark's exploits at the weekend as well, yeah. it's absolutely no surprise. And now he's been rewarded with a, a spot in the Scotland yeah. squad. Obviously, not good enough to be the main goalkeeper because we all know who that is. But yeah, um, like I say, Nandwili, a nuisance, a pest, but just couldn't finish his dinner, and that was that was the main frustration. I think. Definitely. Um, overall, though, as you said, because the game, noth- obviously nothing else happened as um, the game, all the goals were in the first half. I will say one major thing was that F.A. Ambrose passed it out of play for a corner and it was given as a throw-in and it was the most, like, obvious corner I've ever seen. Like, the whole stand was just like, what do you mean? Like, Literally everybody, what? no matter who was there and who you were supporting that night, was just totally bemused by that decision. It is one of the most incredible mishaps I think I've ever seen at a Scottish football game, which in itself is no mean feat. Yeah. So how can they get that so embarrassingly wrong? It's insane. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> However, overall, despite us dropping points and getting another draw at that point, I would personally say that second half, not the opening 30, but from what I saw, what I physically saw... <laughs> from the hour the, that the MacIver family yes, were present. exactly. That's probably the best we've ever played in Perth in my life. And yet, we just haven't picked up three precious points. Yeah. How annoying is it? Like, like I say, we've come up against worse St Johnston teams and come away with draws. And yet, we... I don't, Oh, I don't know. It's just so annoying. I'd, I wanted to ask you quickly because I think the Dundee... Was the Dundee game first? Oh, yeah, it was because it, it succeeded Rangers. Yeah. Robbie not being on the touchline, does this have as much of an effect as perhaps we'd initially sort of dismissed? Well, a lot of people are Or is it just hindsight that? now that we've said that because, because of the two I results think, that followed? I think if... We continued the form we were on, where we won two and draw one. No one's saying Nobody that. Batting Everyone's, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. But I think I think there's an element of people going, well, we've massively dropped off in recent weeks <laughs> in terms of results. We need something to blame that isn't yeah. just Liam Boyce. Without him, we're nothing. Clutching we can't admit that to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, it's like no, it's not. It's not just Liam Boyce. I pro- it's Robbie wasn't there. Robbie wasn't. It's fine. This weekend, when he's back, we'll win five 0 It'll be amazing. It doesn't. But I do listen. I think there is an element of it because, to be fair, he can't be held responsible for the chances that we missed. No, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's there's, true. there's players that are there are players that he's recruited, but I mean, come on, like, 
I feel as though the majority of jambos that would have been in the stands that night would be confident with a couple of those chances. Yeah, so definitely. it's not. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe we are just clutching at straws, even as this like sensational start is just on the decline. But well, how, I mean, I honestly, I felt like Dave Cormack just looking at, it, just thinking, how on God, how in God's name, have we come away with just a point? Yeah, it was pretty pretty insane I will say the biggest highlight of the night for me uh, I, I actually forgot to mention this to you was for the first time ever officially got recognised as Perth to Paisley podcast from Ryan oh, your very, mate oh, that's very disappointing Ryan who? I can't remember he didn't say he's like, I don't think he'll remember it Ryan Letson maybe see, I've seen I've seen Letson smashed it many in a way day well, at the Shandon recently for a big game if Ryan's listening to this, he might not remember meeting me. It'll be Ryan or Ryan. I'll be amazed if he's not with Ali as well, who I've seen you have a couple of Twitter interactions with. Potentially, um, but yeah, he just he just trip? shouted. He shouted, "It's Daniel!" and climbed down the seat. Oh, this is disappointing. This is before we were in a seat, so he was speaking to me. He was telling me about how Stefan Adam was once on a supporters bus that. And that what was the story. What uh, so thank you, Ryan, for that. You made at that point when we were getting beat and I didn't even find the seat. I, that was a great rhyme there. Um, it made the night a wee bit better because it was a laugh and he was very funny. Happy days. Uh, I don't Big think you'll remember it. But yes, um, as I said, we were changing the systems about. So I didn't speak about the around the grounds before the game. I want to touch on it now because it gives a bit more context to what that draw meant for us. So. On the night as we were playing, the biggest shock probably of the season so far definitely was at Dens Park as Ross County just absolutely battered Dundee uh, with what is probably going to be goal of the season by oh, Humbo with his the free, free kick. kick. Oh yes. my god. If that is shown anywhere else in the world, it's still on replay now. I mean, yeah. what a sensational strike. And you know, I was wanting to push my pants at Dundee, but in all seriousness, it just added to the frustration of the previous weekend. So, I mean, it was really amusing. And when I see the goals back and the loud boos, you know, emanating from the stands at Dens. I still found it funny. I didn't give a fuck about our dropped points. Who cares? Like, that's funny. It, that's objectively it, it was, funny. It was rather amusing. I can't lie. Hibs continued their downward spiral as they were... Absolutely battered inside basically 20 minutes by Ange Postacoglu's upwardly mobile Celtic. See you later. Thanks for coming, Hibs. Jesus. Yeah, that was that was not good from Jack Ross's men. It was it was very, <laughs> what, very bad. What do, you, what do you want me to say? Oh, boo-hoo. I'm, I'm devastated. No, I'll get it round, though. Uh, the game that was probably most important to us was Dundee United dropping points at the Tony Macaroni, starting to kind of turn back into the fortress it was remarkably, a couple of seasons ago. Well, this is what, I'm delighted that you mentioned Livy there. Remarkably, with my supposed anti-Livy agenda, I had actually said that that game would end in a one-each draw. So, pretty proud I called that. Look thought at was, you. thought that was a good prediction. Well, continuing on the draw train... It was Motherwell 2, St Mirren 2, in a very controversial game filled with controversial decisions. Um, I have no real sympathy for Liam Kelly and his ordered retake save because he should have had to have his pet save retaken against us. So well get said. it fucking up, yeah. Notice how um, we've started the kind of demise of Motherwell Football Club yeah. as well. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. That's Man. pleasing. That's Sorry. pleasing. 
Uh, and then probably the second biggest shock of the night behind the Ross County result was that Rangers drew 2-all with Aberdeen. Aberdeen having been 2-0 up and it kind of continued the trend of Stephen Glass's Aberdeen side to kind of get back to where they have been in recent years. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm not being funny. When I saw that they were 2-0 up inside, what, I think it's about a quarter of an hour or something. Yeah, it's only 15 I'm minutes. thinking... Like we're due to play them at the weekend. Like what? What has happened here? And then even then, I'm I see that they obviously later draw to each. A point's still a good result, but then there's a, a small part of me again clutching at straws, thinking they've blown a two goal lead. Like that's bound to have taken a dent in their morale ahead of the weekend, surely. But no, of course it didn't. Well, we turn to the weekend. And I'll continue with the Around the Grounds feature on this as well. We'll just kind of run through it. Uh, Aberdeen played hard. We'll get to that soon. Yeah. Celtic Celtic were halted by their mortal enemy, I think, at this point. Livingston Football Club as a very controversial penalty in the dying <laughs> seconds was saved. Um, that meant it was 0-0. St Johnston did us a massive favour in beating well uh, let's actually rephrase that Xander Clark did us oh. a massive favour as St Johnston beat Dundee United 1-0 and then again this this cinch premiership I love the cinch they've come in right and they've just made the league mental because after getting absolutely battered 5-0 James McPake's Dundee pulled off a shock 1-0 away win at St Mirren against the St Mirren side that had come from two down to draw with Motherwell in midweek. Yeah. And, and like Livingston, that's four points from a potential six they've taken against Celtic this season. Yeah. D- like, but what is going on? Like, I don't know. <laughs> this league already is just nuts. Like, we'd firmly be in the thick of it had we not got off to such a start given the recent decline. But in all seriousness, like... Scottish football is well and truly back and I'm all here for it. It's, there's currently a li- uh, five points separating 11th to 5th. <laughs> like, that's it. Mad. It's absolutely insane. However, we did travel to Pataudry at the weekend and the team that featured had two changes made to it. One that was welcomed, one that was not as welcomed. One Well, one welcomed by... You and well, I will say the majority of Hearts fans. Yes, as Alex Cochran came back in, replacing Andy Halliday, and in potentially a shock, some people had predicted it, but a shock to I think the majority of the Hearts fan base. Barry Mackay was dropped for Gary Mackay, Stephen, <laughs> uh, playing against his old club. What did you think when you saw the team? Obviously, same formation, same system, just again slight personnel change. But what did you think? I was thinking, when is Robbie Nielsen going to get off football manager and stop being adamant that players playing against their former clubs are going to score? That it's a all... proper football manager thing. That... It's what you do on FM. Exactly. Anybody that's played FM knows that. But why? This does not translate to real life. Gary Mackay Stephen, I'm pretty sure I heard Paul Mitchell say on Sports Scene that it's his first start in six games. Now, by that logic... I was thinking, is this his first start since Ben Woodburn's joined the club and has ultimately taken his place? And again, Barry Mackay has been our best wide player for the past 
three weeks, month, I don't know. Why? It just seemed such an out-of-nowhere change and inexplicable. I don't get the logic whatsoever. And I'm not being funny. Had he performed to such a high level on Saturday, then fair play. I'd, I'd hold my hands up and say, do you know what, that's genius from the gaffer. So this is where I feel from him because I'm highlighting the nonsense that he's like come out with by opting to start Gary McKay-Steven here. I don't understand it at all. See, I understand it, but I disagree with it. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is a gamble that's not worked. Because what, what, Why did you think? Was, so, it, was it kind of what we were talking about earlier with central areas and he's offering more support because he's arguably better at kind of roaming in there or what? Because so, I didn't get it. I think this is the situation with our four wingers. I think we have two partnerships in terms of the way they play. I think Barry Mackay and Josh Janelli are very similar. Yes. I think they out run out. it. Yeah, they run at opponents, they try and beat them and either have a shot or play a ball in. Whereas Ben Woodward and Gary Mackay Steven are more likely to pick the ball up, try and find a wee bit of space and play it off to other people. And can play I, narrowly as well. Yes. So then so then I'm about to ask, why why all the mixing and matching? Like who because do you, who I do you think, think we are? I think he wants to have one of each in a game, which I get because I think, for example, kind of at the start of last month, we saw it work really well with Mackay and Woodburn. Mackay was the one who was just beating men, bombing forward playing. and putting a ball in. Whereas Woodburn was doing really well. he pick it up, drag it into the middle and link up with other players. And it was working really well. Now, obviously, the main complaint at that point was that Ben Woodburn hasn't actually contributed with any goals or assists. I don't know if that was playing on Robbie's mind, potentially being like, right, listen, he's doing nice passes to play, he's getting the good areas, but he's not finishing it. GMS is the most similar player to that. If I bring on Gino, we've got, it's very much two of the same. Now, the argument then comes into it is, is it a bad thing to have two of the same when the two, if you know what I mean, Barry Mackay and Josh Janelli in that situation are actually quite good at it? Is it a bad thing if they're working? I think it's a bad thing if they're having a nightmare game and you go, oh, we're getting the exact same thing out of both these wingers and neither of them are on it. At least if one of them's having a bad game, there's a high chance the other one isn't because they're doing different things. So if Barry McKay's having an off game because he's sprinting at players, however, he's got Ben Woodburn beside him, the chances are he's probably, Ben Woodburn's probably having a better game because they're doing different things. Or vice versa, if Ben Woodburn can't link up, so therefore it's like mixing the ball about you just go right for the next five minutes just feed it to Barry and he'll just run same with Josh Janelli I don't know if that well that's that's a personal preference if people prefer kind of that style of football where it's just all guns blazing or kind of more patient build up from wingers I think Robbie wants a bit of both I personally would have then went with Woodburn and Mackay or Gino and Woodburn what would be your preference this patient passing build up that let's be frank hearts haven't been accustomed with for numerous years probably since 1874 or you know all guns blazing all out because i'm definitely in the latter camp well i've got to be honest i i think there's a very important adage to this that was mentioned in the article that you referenced um earlier about the midfielders i don't think we need to worry about it I think we can have the all guns blazing Gino and Barry Mackay because we've got Cammy and Benny who can slow it down, break it up and control the game. 
see if we didn't have them or Haring, I'd go, oh, you probably need one and one or potentially play both the patient ones because whoever would be in midfield, I don't like just an exact like random oh. players, they're not as good. However, we are lucky and I wish Robbie kind of, I think Robbie was doing it at the start of the month, but we've now got Cammy and Benny who are so good that you can afford to just have Barry McKay and Josh Janelli running because Cammy Devlin and Benny will sweep everything up if the team get it in counter. And my, my concern was previously, sorry, this conversation's frying my head. I can't even keep up with all these names <laughs> and positions and whatnot. But my, my annoyance previously was lack of chances. But yet, in, I think the St. Johnston game, we created chances of plenty. Yeah. And it's one of those nights where on another night, we take a couple. Cool. Yeah. The same cannot be said for Aberdeen, which then makes you wonder... Why, why is that the case? Because I know that Aberdeen have got off to a struggling start and I've made an absolute mockery of that as, you know, I'll make the most of it while I can. Um, and now I notice that they're six points behind us. I don't know where the hell they've come from. Like, Jesus. Um, but my point is that that was going to be the perceived trickier challenge because I do believe they are better than St. Johnston. Why? Like, why... These I love Cammy and Benny. Don't don't get it twisted. But again, I I just feel that sometimes we don't need both. Right, one wait, we'll get to that at the other. end because that's a discussion about the game overall. So that we'll we'll right. get into okay. the game itself okay. as very early. I'm sorry, on. mate. It's been a long day. I, look, <laughs> I, right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain myself here. Mum yes, and Dad, I know I know are gonna be watching. I've, <laughs> I've been up since seven. There's a lot going on at uni right now, Mum. I'm I'm doing well. I'm you know I'm trying to arrange interviews and whatnot for projects coming up. So, Dad, no need to worry. Tell Mum that everything's going to be all right. I I will get there. I'm struggling a little bit with fatigue, but you know, bashing out Perth to Paisley because want that consistent content for the heart of Midlothian family. And yeah, it's all just getting to me. Like I said to, to MacIver before we came on air, everything was going so well. Everything was floating in tandem. Hearts are performing well. Uni's going great. And then a couple busy weeks come. Hearts points just fall off a cliff. And here we are. I'm stressing about everything, but it's going to be fine. Just get us to the weekend and we'll, we'll be okay. I'll, I'll get there. Nice little PSA there in the middle of the <laughs> Sorry, podcast. mate. I do apologise. No, it's, it's, it's fully fully justified what isn't fully justified <laughs> is John Souter's terrible pass 10 minutes into the game that allowed just Aberdeen to go oh here's a, here's a chance here here's a chance we're going to take it however the wonderful chest of Craig Halkett prevented it from being 1-0 very was that the Marley Watkins shot it was the Marley yeah. Watkins shot very early on. and I think that was a great start it was yeah. a very encouraging start warning signs basically and that then kind of continued for the majority of the half. Uh, our first shot, as you mentioned to me, came in the 34th minute. 37th. Uh, You're an extra, th- sorry. extra, extra sorry. three minute wait. <laughs> I'm giving them too much credit. Honestly, 37 minutes in a football match and you don't have a first shot. How, this pod has been going for 35. Imagine just, not having a shot in 35 just, minutes. Just you think about that. Since McIver's introduced this podcast... We wouldn't have had an, a single shot in the match. That's depressing. Not that's one. You've been more depressed than you were when you started listening, aren't you? Look at you now, sat on your public transport of choice or in your 
house listening, you're now even more depressed. Sorry Not a single shot in <laughs> 37 minutes. I'm, I was... Uh, and I it was, wasn't even a shot on target. It was a shot very well wide yeah, by uh, Cam uh, Devlin. I should, I should specify, a shot. shot I'm thankful that I bought a ticket and then sold it on. Because had oh, I made the, had I have had the effort to have gone up there and wait thirty seven minutes for Hearts to register what was a poor shot in the end, I'd be tearing my hair out. Well, Aberdeen definitely didn't have a shortage of shots. That's a that's a nice wee phrase there. Nice. Uh, because, well, Craig Gordon just continued to be Craig Gordon as Ryan Hedges got through and hit. A decent shot, and Gordon just made it look like he wasn't even trying, and just kind of got his foot down low to it. Fantastic save where he just immediately popped back up. Is that the one where he tries to go across him and kind yep. of slot? Yeah, yeah, far yep. corner. I mean, I don't know how many times I've got to say it. Where the hell would Hearts be without Craig Gordon? Like last season, oh, what a goalkeeper! What a fine a... specimen of a man! And yeah, I, I actually feel for him because when mm-hmm. we talk about our favourite Hearts players ever, like in terms of longevity, Craig Gordon probably is my favourite Hearts player ever. But I, can't I think give, he's, I but, think he's my favourite Hearts player ever. But I can't give that title to a goalkeeper. No, I, mean, I can. I fully can. I when can. you're Craig Gordon, I'm sorry. it's between him. It's between, I've got like three. I'm sorry, head, CG. It's got to be a midfielder or attacker. That's just that's my personal preference. It's the way I view football. But Only one I, of mine is an attacker. I, I still love you. Well, that speaks volumes about you know <laughs> and our no. struggles since we've been alive, since our dads have been alive. Oh, I prefer. Yeah. I'm I'm partial to Italian football over French football. I'm, I like defensive football. So a lot of mine. So are, CG's up there. That's fair. Yeah. And you love Christoph Berra. Christoph Berra be up there for you as well. He's in the top five. Yeah, we're going down a rabbit hole here. I'm we sorry. are. Just anyway, what? Speaking about defenders, we win a penalty by a nice. <laughs> nice. You're welcome. <laughs> what segue? A really nice wee bit of play, actually. Nandwili plays a fantastic slip through ball, gorgeous first time ball to Josh Janelli, who just kind of puts it past Joe Lewis, and Joe Lewis just full on grabs Gino by the leg. And the Aberdeen fans are booing, suggesting it wasn't a penalty. It's one of the most clear-cut penalties you'll see. As blatant a penalty as you're ever likely to see. And we talked about him earlier on. There was a couple weeks in succession earlier on in the season where Gany Mackay-Steven won one against Aberdeen, I think. Mm-hmm. And was it Tanadice, the other? Yep. You guess United, yeah. Yep. And both of them were more contentious than the one that we got at Audrey. Yeah. One, 100%. Yeah. And I know yeah. that Liam Boyce has stuck... I think it's something like six penalties away for us. Or he scored four out of six penalties yeah, or something, something like that. that. So we've been awarded six. That is the most clear cut out of the six stroke seven that we've had all season, without without a shadow. Stonewaller. Well, as everybody was speaking about that and the replays are kind of being shown, it suddenly dawns on everybody that the person picking up the ball and going to take the penalty is John Suter, who... As soon as he did it, I was thinking in my head, has he ever taken a penalty for us in his life? I had no recollection. And then I was thinking, well, on the pitch is Gary McKay-Steven, Armand Nandwili, Josh Janelli. Nando was the big one for me. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Nando was the big one for me because I just thought, particularly with his performance midweek, had he bagged one, 
that could just do his confidence the world well he could. went to take it he went to take it him Smith but Sopey's taking it upon himself I wonder but, what has Sopey got like a goal bonus or something because all of a sudden well he will he will do but, but I don't know how big it is but, but now he's I mean he's prolific what's that come up from Two in his last three. He's the new Craig Halkett. He's been that's, <laughs> yes. that's what he's been doing. He's been teaching Craig how to defend, and Craig's been teaching him how to score. It's fa- it's great. It's a great combination, but it's a fantastic penalty. It's a brilliant fantastic penalty. penalty. And again, like obviously, I'd spoken about kind of selling my ticket on. I mean, once I I was just so confused when I heard that or saw that John Suter was going to take it. Even watching the highlights back, Robert Borthwick's like, John Suter's planning to take it. And even he's surprised. Like, everybody, I think, have, has just gone, when was the last time we had a centre-half that took penalties? Probably your mate Elvis. So, yeah, I, was just, I was just thinking, don't miss. And I'm, I was stood... I had obviously said to you that I was updating the Perth Paisley website. Go and check it out and make my work, work worthwhile. Um, yes. On Saturday afternoon... Had Jeff and the boys accompanying me on Soccer Saturday, but I'd, I'd glanced down at my phone for whatever reason to see that we've been awarded a penalty. By that stage, I'm standing up. I'm just like this, covering my nose, just begging. And then I just let out this rip-roaring, yes! Because <laughs> I had no idea that we were so rank for the first half. And I was thinking, brilliant. Just before halftime, the perfect way to take, or the perfect time to take the lead, courtesy of a bizarre goal scorer, I will say that, but again, once I see the penalty, absolutely emphatic. And was feeling optimistic heading into the second half. Well, how, as, how quickly that evaporated. Well, as someone who was watching it live, I was not optimistic going into the second half. I was sat going, we are very undeservedly ahead here. I'll take it, but we need to make big changes if we want to improve. Now, one manager did make changes. He made a very subtle change. Stephen Glass moved Scott Brown from the oh, middle of a back three. Oh, are you about to go in on the gaffer here? No. I'm about oh. to praise Stephen Glass for his tactical aversions. Nice save. He moved Scott Brown from the middle of defence into the middle of midfield. And what that did was suddenly Benny and Cami, who were doing all right, like, we weren't playing very well, but they were still their usual Ticking along selves, doing doing what they do best. Suddenly, Ticking along selves. <laughs> yep. Suddenly, it meant that there was now a mismatch in midfield. Aberdeen had three in the middle. We only had two, and our wide players are very wide because we expect our fullbacks to cut in. However, with Aberdeen's change of shape, it meant that our wide our wing backs were very much dealt with by their wingers, and it meant that Benny and Cami completely isolated in the middle of the park overran and exposed yep. and whatnot yeah yeah absolutely and that very very quickly was made apparent as four minutes into the second half for me the biggest issue is again i feel like i say this every single week whenever we concede we don't stop across i knew the you ball, were going to say that because i'm in exactly that same boat yeah is played four or five times in and around that far left, well, the near side, sorry, to the camera, the far left to the dugout. It's played about a bit. The ball gets swung in. Halkett misses it by about a yard. And then, now listen, you cannot take anything away from the finish. Marley Watkins controls it on his knee and volleys it top corner. There's nothing anybody can do about it. And yes, Halkett's probably, he's caught off and 
you could argue should he win it I don't know he's he's a wee bit ahead I th- he probably should drop back a bit he, um, mark Marley Watkins but I don't think anybody's expecting Watkins to do what he does you're probably expecting him to take a touch and either play it out or have a shot and it probably gives Halkett more time but for me the biggest frustration was we're again allowing crosses into the box yeah, it's sixes and sevens, aren't we? And like you say, Ryan Hedges, who I'm actually a really big fan of, I think he's a really good player, he's got acres of space on that left-hand side to just pick his spot. And in fairness to Marley Watkins, I don't actually think it's the best ball from Ryan Hedges. Yeah. But like you say, the first touch with the knee is impressive. The finish is even better. Craig Gordon has absolutely no chance. Um, And, you know, I've said about the frustration with the cross. Again... Because I wasn't keeping track of the updates, my bugbear was the fact that so early into the second half, we've given them that lifeline. You know, had we gone out and created a couple of opportunities early doors where we might have got lucky and we take one, that's that the game's done. We've killed the contest then at 2-0. It's a, it's a mountain for Aberdeen to climb. My frustration is them immediately getting back into the game and then... With obviously having that home advantage, I think they're in the ascendancy. By all accounts, we're the dominant team within the game anyway. So then it's only really a matter of time before they try and get more chances and ultimately take one. Um, and that's obviously later how it, how it transpired exactly. So a great goal. We can do more. I take nothing away from the finish because like we both said, it's a superb strike. But... The fact that they were popping it so easily and Hedges is acres of space. Yeah. It's very, very frustrating. What wasn't frustrating is what is the main highlight for me, barring the John Sutter penalty. Again, the attack down the left-hand side. Again, a ball is completely just put into the middle of the box. Christian Ramirez takes it down, takes a touch to get past. A great first touch. It was. A, it's a fantastic. It kills it in the yeah. in the moment. It kills it, and it puts it on a swivel for him to turn yeah. and open up his body. Like one decent continuous touch, isn't it? It yeah. just allows him to shift on and yeah. And he's about four or five yards out, and he hits it as hard as he can. He's on balance and just goes. I need to put this as far into the far corner as I can, and just he he makes it look simple. But it's one of the best saves I've ever seen in my life. And it's one of his best saves, which is saying something. I honestly think this is one of his best saves ever. But Craig Gordon gets down, gets a hand to it, and not only gets a hand to it and stops it, but then Ramirez runs in and gets a rebound, or gets a hand to it and pushes it past the post out for a corner. He gets a hand to it and flicks it up and then just catches it. And it's just... You hear in the commentary, Robert Borthwick and Laurie are losing their minds. You hear, you see Christian Ramirez's face. He just kind of like blows air out his cheeks because he can't believe it. Afterwards, Stephen Glass said that he's rarely seen a better save than that live. He is, apart from Boyce, he's our most, he's our best and most crucial player. Couldn't put it any better myself. Run out superlatives for Craig Gordon every week because, like you say. It, like it's genuinely standard for him. That's that's how good the save is. It's and he's ha- thirty eight. It's, it's not like he's twenty seven doing it. It is a ridiculous save, and I know this is funny 
because we obviously sold Craig Gordon to Sunderland back in the day for what nine mil. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely believe he's of a higher value to us now. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know how bonkers that is to say? But it, it honestly feels so true. Like that was then a British record for a goalkeeper, and yet he's come back, and he's just as good. Like he, he is. He's honestly he's. Un, he's one of the best goalkeepers in Britain. I don't care what anybody says. There, I've put it it's out there. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable goalkeeper. Say no more. Well, even Craig Gordon couldn't keep this one out. As no, but this isn't Aber- his doing. No, of course not. Of course not. Aberdeen get a set piece, which apparently this season in the Scottish League just means you get a goal. Because well, seven... <laughs> that was certainly the case in midweek for us as well. Yeah. So... Um, 75% of all goals conceded by all teams this season have come from set pieces which is, is that right? and, yeah Robbie Robbie was speaking about it in his um, post-match interview he said he can't believe it and he's he's saying that other managers have been speaking to each other trying to work out what it is this season but that must mean that we've got absolutely nothing in the middle of the park for the national team. It's no wonder that all our, our midfielders <laughs> for Scotland have gone down south. They're just like, see you later. But yeah, seventy-five 75% of all goals, what, in the top well, think tier? About it. Think about it. Yeah, yeah, just in our league. Not all throughout Scottish football, but in the top flight. Yeah. So three of every four goals have come from a set piece, set piece in essence. Yeah. See when you actually break it down. But think about it, right? Our That's season. Mad. Think of Boyce has scored a hundred penalties. Suter's now scored a penalty. <laughs> Kingsley scored hundreds of free kicks. Even, We've scored cor- the maj- even corners, we look actually quite yeah. menacing. We've Jesus. scored the majority of our goals from set pieces. The meme is that Rangers just get penalties. So <laughs> or it was last season. Go. You know it's bad when we yeah. got more than them this season. Oh, I just realised that. There's one game I missed out for the underground. They batted Motherwell 6-1. Great. Who gives a shit? They're, they're probably going to win the week. Who don't, fucking cares? Don't care. But, Aberdeen gets a set piece. They just swing it into the box and a completely unmarked Lewis Ferguson heads it home. Now, initially, a lot of people pointed again the blame to Benny. Much like they did last week with Jason Cummins. I know what you're going to say, and I totally agree with you. I think. However, I when think you know what you're going to say, when you watch it back, it's actually apparent that Benny is completely blocked off yes. by Brown and someone. I think it's Hedges. Ryan Hedges again. Yeah. yeah, Scott Brown just shoves Hedges into Beningame, who then loses Lewis Ferguson as a result. I didn't. It's funny. There was a part of me that was thinking. Right, we're recording tonight. I want to speak about how Benny Beningame loses his man in, what, two of the last three league fixtures now? Mm-hmm. So, potentially, I'd said about, you know, he or Devlin. I was leaning more towards the greatest footballer that I've ever seen being dropped. Yes, that is a ridiculous statement, but we're going to roll with it. But I, I genuinely don't think this is Benny's fault. I just think, no. and I can't believe I'm about to usher these words, I genuinely believe that it's Scott Brown's intelligence that creates that goal for Aberdeen. Yeah, of course. Of course it so, is. Um, I, I will say, though... I can't fault my Congolese king there. I don't think you can fault Benny, but you can fault... Well, to an extent. But you can fault the rest of the side because it doesn't matter. If if Ferguson's then running into the box, there are players who don't have a man. It's an emphatic header as well, to be fair. It Lewis, is, but it's... Lewis Ferguson is very good at that. Like, you've seen yeah, that even yeah, in the early stages of his Aberdeen career. You know, I remember... 
was it the Betfred Cup semi where he scores against Rangers yeah. coming on to one and nods it nods it past then would it have been McGregor um, just uh, again a disappointing goal to concede but I'm sick and tired of us conceding set pieces I know there's that mental stat right and it does seem that most teams have an issue with that oh, this season that's got me dreading the weekend because I'm just thinking Charlie Mulgrew Ryan Edwards oh god I don't know, they'll, yeah. pro- they'll probably chuck in Callum Butcher or somebody like that. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, look. Um, there's there's more that we can do for both those goals. Yep. In the same way that the St Johnston goal is so easily preventable as well. Definitely. But um, when you couple that with not really doing enough offensively either... Well, this is what I wanted to get to, because like, up until this point, I was disappointed with the performance, right? I was like, we haven't done a lot. Like, but come on, right. We're two one down, but there's still twenty two minutes left to play, twenty five if you include stoppages. Right, there's still time. What then followed, I tweeted, was the worst performance it, it remind not the worst performance, it it reminded me of a performance like the nineteen twenty season. The tweet I said was this is like the nineteen twenty season, it's that level of shite. Um that Craig would, Fowler that would take some doing, let me tell you. Jesus. It, it was that bad. It's one of the worst performances I've seen since Nielsen came back in. Um, it's not the worst. There, there are two very glaring omissions, what, which proudly take, I would say, Aloha and Brora are the two worst performances. Interesting that you've placed Aloha above Parkhead. No, no. Oh, yeah, because I don't. I don't I, expect I anything mean. from yeah, Parkhead. Yeah. I expect us to battle. But that first half was like nothing I'd ever seen. Yeah, but like, I'd, with the Parkhead, it's like, oh, well, I expect us this to This has definitely the been the worst league performance yes. since he's come yes. back. And That's, again, like, I, I, I was actually playing an old Perth Paisley the, the other day where we drew nil-nil up at, at Gayfield, I think. Was that a nil? Yeah, it was nil Yeah, we drew. It was the week before Brora. It was yeah. the game before Brora. And yeah. I'd, I'd voiced my concerns then about mm-hmm. how bad, like, just terrible. But, <laughs> just absolutely awful. And this bipolar behaviour cannot continue. Why but, Why was the performance against Dundee rotten to then... But it wasn't. This is I the thing. I thought it was. I, and then no, we were, I disagree. And, and then we were decent against St Johnston and should have so, won. Uh, and then I will we, say this. Then we go back to being rank against Aberdeen. We'll probably be brilliant against Dundee United at the weekend and then be shite at Fur Park against Motherwell, who are in a rotten run, because that's just right. the heart's way. I will say this. Before I continue slagging the team off for that performance, because they deserve it, I think there has been some form of kind of oh, no. looking back because of this result and going, it's been coming, we've been shit, when in reality... We absolutely dominated Dundee and just didn't take our chances. And then we played very well for the majority of the game in Perth. I think you can... The Perth performance was more convincing than Dundee for me, though. Yeah, but that's because of the context of it. Because St. Johnson are a better team and we were away from home at a ground where we're historically awful at and looked like the home side for most of that game. And to be fair, the fans were a class as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. The fans minus... One of the McIvers were class. Thank you. Um, Graham and Keir did their job. I think there has been an element of people just kind of 
having a mass panic, going back to what we're usually like and going, right, everyone's shite again, we're awful, we're rubbish. When in reality, we had a really bad game at the weekend, but it is kind of an anomaly. Like, we've not played that bad, as you said, in the league this season. Nowhere close to it. We have nothing to compare it to because I just felt it was absolutely atrocious for would you, most would, of Would that, you rank it in an anomaly, sorry, the same way as kind of an Ibrox or something? Because the Ibrox, we at least did enough to stay in the game. Here, we were fully in the game but just didn't do anything. I don't think we were fully in the game here, though. Well, I think they were just well, toying with us completely. In, in, in t- uh. Or let me rephrase. In terms of the scoreline, in terms you know, of scoreline, there's, there's still there's still only yeah. a goal in it. But again, I don't know whether it's we can't have a lack of incentive given that we're only a goal behind because all all, all it could take would be that one chance. We proved that at Ibrox. So how how can we not? <laughs> tricky to replicate that here. But yeah. do you, you know you know you know what I'm trying to say. Of course, like, I I definitely do. It's, um, it's, it's 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 not fine margins because we should have been blown away. But had Aberdeen dropped points there against us, they'd have been rightfully raging. We just didn't have rightfully, enough about us to yeah to gain anything. I, I always felt in the Rangers game we were playing all right. It was especially in the last half an hour. It was like oh we look like we last, can get last half hour we were good for yeah. first forty five minutes we were whereas carved open for this, for this ninety minutes we, were we didn't look we were absolutely atrocious on the fifty seventh minute. Both the wingers got taken off. Josh Janelli got brought off. And I think some people were going, well, you won the penalty. You looked energetic. We'll give you a pass, do you know? Nah, it's fine. Guy McKay-Steven... Sorry, mate. I, 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 don't think, I don't think Gino is the change at all. I think if you're bringing on Ben Woodburn and Barry McKay, this, this is obviously where we'll get into the United discussion and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Gino, McKay, both supporting Woodburn... I wouldn't be against. Interesting, but Plain one player that but. the one player that you've not mentioned there, and I'm delighted you've not mentioned, was also brought off Terrible. as the GMS experiment, as we'll call it, was a catastrophic failure. We don't need to do any more of them. We know now. Yeah, thanks for it, that, Robbie. It's not like everybody saw that pre-match. It just absolutely awful. First starting start two months. And wow. that's what he offers. That's what he offers. Because even if you want to go, even if Robbie's like, right, JMS, because we don't know. Maybe JMS is like, I'm, I feel like I should be starting. And Robbie's like, okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's piped up. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Gary McKay's become a wido all of a sudden. Yes. Um, and Robbie's went, right, fine. Here's an opportunity. Robbie said after the uh, St. Johnson game that every game for every player is like an audition. Because in January, you could get replaced by somebody. In the summer, you could get offloaded. Anything, every single game, it doesn't matter who you are, you could you'll drop out of this team. Well, if that was Gary McKay Stevens' audition, he's never going to get a part ever again, because that was pathetic. I'd like, argue that his that his career as an actor could rise to prominence. I mean, if that's him acting as a footballer, not great. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> That's terrible parallel. Let's move on. That was shite. But he, he was shite. He had, yeah, he that, was, two... that was as good as he was. <laughs> exactly. He won two very soft free kicks that I didn't think were free kicks. And I can't think of anything else. I can't think of a run. I can't think of a pass. He no. definitely didn't have a shot. And if he's and Barry... meant to be one of these roamers that come centrally to create... When's he ever doing it? Like, what is like, he doing? 
Does that not just speak volumes? And I then, like I like GMS, I do. But I mean, come on, Gary, give like it, it takes two to tango here. I can't just stick up for you, enough. and then you ultimately come up with nothing. What would you say, right? In his entire Hearts career, he's had five good games. Four of them being the last four of the championship in the Celtic opener. What else has he done in like 25 games? I think, I mean, I, <laughs> I said about the, the Celtic opener that I, th- I thought it was decent, but even now I'm starting to think... No, but that's, that's what I'm a, saying, yeah, that, include but now, that. But now I'm starting to think that that's a generous inclusion. It might be. It's probably I'm just thinking because he scored. I can't think of what else he did apart from his score, but that's quite a big thing considering we won two one. So I'll give him a pass for that. What else apart from like against like Inverness and Wraith? I just I just think back to his sitters. The Dundee yeah. one sticks out. Yeah, even even Dundee tiny when he hits the post, he should yeah. score. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just it's just not working. We, much like GMS, did nothing for the remainder of the game. And then we're going to get on to a man that I've deliberately not mentioned this entire podcast. Because Here you go. Time to get your popcorn prepared. <laughs> right. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to. Because I have no energy to. Because. It's apathy now. It's complete and utter apathy. Why is Andy Halliday a hearts player? <laughs> I notice now as we're. Or on the night of recording. That uh, he's not in the open goal studio as this pod comes out. Um, it's Kenny right. Miller, Big Kev, Slaney, and Sai, I believe. Um, I, I was also listening to Talk Scottish Football be- before we came on air, and uh, one of my co hosts, Div, was about to dig you up for your Andy Halliday slander. Um, he's a big Rangers man, um, but you're you're not having him, are you? Well, I just I cannot be arsed with people, so. I sent a, a comical tweet that I'm, I'm somewhat known to do. On the way up to Perth, when Andy Halliday was announced, I, I was like, I'm travelling to Perth in the pissing rain to watch Andy Halliday play football. I'm going home. Uh, that, and, did, that did make me laugh, to be fair. And this is the thing. Just because of your ma- resent and hatred for Halliday. But the majority of people got that I'm obviously not being serious. I'm not going to go, right, I've paid for my ticket, I'm halfway there, I've seen Andy Halliday's playing, I'm going home. I'm that defiant. Obviously, I'm just having a laugh. Certain individuals got annoyed, apparently apparently we should support our players. Uh, apparently me saying that means I'm not supporting the team. So that, And I was like, right, listen, fine. I, I thought he was rubbish against St Johnston. He offered nothing. We had a free kick with 20 minutes left and it took ages Gino got halved Cammy Devon was fighting nine guys not even his corner for Nandwilly's header that we spoke about earlier no no I don't think it's I think it's just a corner like it's not like an amazing ball it's, it's just a, it's, probably, it's, a, what it's probably a better header than what you'd expect yeah it's, it's, the, a, it's a it's a level of cross I expect from a professional footballer like it's not an achievement to be able to beat the first man, which in fairness, none of our players can do. I was going to say, we've made that look like an impossible challenge for yeah. the best part of a decade. But, I spent, it's like, listen, so many people gave me grief on Wednesday night for calling out Halliday being like, he, was, he wasn't as bad as people are making out, he's never as bad, you only, you only get annoyed because you dare like that he's a Rangers fan, when in reality, I couldn't give a fuck, I don't care, right, if every one of our players are Hibs season ticket holders, see if they play well, I don't care, I do not care, GMS, I who does GMS support? 
He was a boyhood Ivy. There you go. Well then, I, d- I, I don't like his performance in the park because he's shit. It's nothing to do with who they support, who they are and stuff like that. Because Andy Howdy coming on in that Aberdeen game makes absolutely no sense. I'm not blaming him for coming on, right? It's it. not his fault that he's been brought on. I, I don't shy away from that, right? Peter Haring is sat there. He's literally on the same bench. So if you're wanting to go, right, we need to change the game, but I want to bring on somebody to shoot it, you bring on Peter Haring. If you're going, well, we need to, we're 2-1 down here, we need to change the game, you bring on Aaron McInef. You don't bring on Andy Howdy in either situation because you've got better alternatives on the bench. Then he plays... When did I need to get the exact time he came on because this start blew me... I knew it was bad. He came on the 72nd minute. He touched the ball zero times in 19 minutes. He didn't have a touch. Imagine as an impact sub with 20 minutes to go, you don't make a single touch of the ball. And then get absolutely stupidly sent off. Now, whether or not people agree it's a red card, I know that... So I think it is, personally. You think it isn't. I've seen people, for example friend of the podcast Andrew Petrie he thinks it's a red card whereas Laurie Dunsire also friend of the podcast doesn't think it's a red card right it's a strong yellow I I personally think it's a red but what I feel like people have kind of missed the point of it is that he's he's allowing Kevin Clancy to make that decision why in the 89th minute are you making that type of challenge what are you doing when you're trying to chase the game yeah, what are you well. doing? So for I, me, I get it. If we were three 0 down, the game's done, mm-hmm. and it's you're lashing out with frustration. We said the same about Ben Woodburn's elbow against Dundee on yeah. the last pod. Yeah. You know these these challenges at pivotal moments in matches are inexcusable, and ultimately we got away with one against Dundee, mm-hmm. but it's evened itself out because the Halliday sending off. I don't think it is, but look. I guess the referee has deemed it by the letter of the law that supposedly it is a red card. Just genuinely, and this is this sounds like I'm being patronising stuff, but I genuinely want to know if you have an answer to this, if people have an answer to this. What does Andy Halliday offer us that the people he is in competition with don't? So he's in competition for left wing back and centre mid. Oh. So Benny and Cami are obviously the starters in the middle, and Alex Cochran's obviously the starter in the left wing back, right? But if there is discussion, if you're going, oh, we want to mix it up a bit, what does he offer that Aaron McInef doesn't, that Peter Haring doesn't, and that Kingsley or Cochrane doesn't? I said, um, I can't remember whether it was on here or on since I was young. I can't remember if it was on either of those, but I, I can remember talking about Andy Halliday's goal in Paisley, saying that I don't think any of the left-backs would score that goal. However, now I'm just starting to believe that he gives us, or he gives Sai Ferry a chance to kind of lead into discussion about Hearts on open goal. That's basically it. Because be this is I, I, I don't want I don't want Mr. Newey's contract to come the end of the season. I was happy with the signing for the Seaside League because I believe that he'd do a job. Okay, I don't even think that he really did that. No, he didn't. If, he didn't. if I'm honest, so by all means. Okay, that's that's the bonus of us agreeing a two-year deal because ultimately, yeah, we've put mm-hmm. up with him in the Premiership for a year. Cool, we'll bring in somebody else. That's that's fine by me. I, had it have been any longer than a two-year deal, I I wouldn't have okay deciding. But that's fine. Get us up, consolidate us. See you later. 
And that's just, that's what it's going to prove to be because I don't see any justification for wanting to keep him beyond the expiry of his heart's deal. I think we would be in the exact same position as we are with the exact same set of results and performances from the start of the Nielsen campaign if Andy Haldy never featured. I just what is in I the think, start of his tenure back? Yeah, yeah. I just don't think he's ever been a game changer for us. Anything he's done, I said at that time. That St Mirren goal, I think all our left backs score that goal. I think Kingsley and Cochrane mm, both score sure. it. I th- I personally think they do. I think other players are in who are in that position would score that. I just I am so on the same boy as you. I hope I hope we don't renew his deal. I hope he doesn't play for us again, personally. <laughs> because I because I just don't see because in every position I'd rather play somebody else. I'd rather play Benny, Cami, Haring, Aaron McInef. Scott McGill, Finlay Pollock, I'd rather play all of them in the middle of the park ahead of him. And he's currently third choice left wing back and the only time I play him is if we got is if we had an injury. But I'd like in January for us to get a a, a third choice left wing back or get our youngster from the academy to be in that position. Interesting. Any any hearts youngsters listening in? Now's your chance. Get, get involved. Um, but yeah, that brought an end, that Andy Haldy red card brought an end to easily the worst performance of the Thank season. Thank Christ. Our first loss of the season as well. And it oh, leads yeah. us now to this weekend's game against Dundee United. Sorry, just before we dive into the United game, mate. Yes. I did see a couple of tweets, which I thought was a brilliant point, about now that the first loss has arrived, hopefully this isn't something that we're clinging on to this has seemed to be more of a hindrance than a help in reality I think I think because everybody views Hearts as the unbeaten team or previously as the unbeaten team in the division they're kind of the team to beat and that you know we're in fine form so morale will be high when I don't want to say we're papering over cracks because that's incredibly harsh but you just feel as though it sometimes became an, an unnecessary burden do you think that's fair? I think that's maybe a wee bit hard. I'd always rather it be unbeaten than not. Like, if no, uh, look, of course, but I think I think with the amount of draws that we picked up, I know what you mean. Some, is somewhat yeah. misleading. Yeah, I, I definitely get the general point of it. It it was, you could argue it was a false dawn. However, yes, there is an element of the fact that this is now officially our best ever start to a Premiership campaign, and since that George Burley oh five oh six side, um, Please so. Don't. To the people who were tweeting me saying that it, the weekend's game proved that Robbie isn't the person to be in charge of us and that it was... Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right, it's all right. I just wanted to kind of publicly say this to you in the podcast instead of just messaging you about it. Um, but yeah, a few people were saying that and I think I think that's a bit ridiculous. That's very much throwing all the toys at the pram going, right, we've lost a game. Not even I was that angry. I was sort yes, of expecting exactly. it. I actually had 2-1 Aberdeen in my ho- who scored preview, so hold my hands up. It's entirely my fault. I'm it's sorry. your fault. Yeah. But, Tam Courts and his tangerine men. Your relegation <laughs> favourites. <laughs> yes, my relegation favourites. Uh, turn up to Tynecastle this weekend in what is definitely the biggest game of the season so far. Massive. Our first, our first six-pointer, probably, you, you could argue. And it's 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 a game that I don't know how it's going to go because Dundee United have also had the exact same results in terms of their last two games, a point from the last six, as they also got beat at the weekend. So it's both sides looking to bounce back from a defeat. How do you think it's going to go? <laughs> this is where it's misleading because I think we've been... 
or rather, we've been annoyed at results for the past kind of three, four weeks, and yet we're still tied on points with United. Given we're seven points clear, the dropping out the European zone. Both both of us were just got off to such scintillating starts. Um, look, they've only lost once away from home, and that was on the opening day to Aberdeen. So I'm concerned. I can't lie. I just. I think, given how solid they've been at the back as well, second best defensive record in the league, our our inability to convert chances—I won't say create—but our inability to convert yeah, chances yeah. rightly has me very worried. Um, but do you, do you know what I'd love? I would love for us to reenact the Motherwell game, for us to get off to a fast start. You know, comfy for the first. I don't know, 20, 25 minutes, try and seal the deal there and then, and we can just relax. The longer it goes, the more anxious I get. It's not good for my ticker, even at my young age. So let's just get off to a fast start. I know you're going to ask me about selection. I'm trying to ramble on so that I don't have to think about that. Because well, I'll, I'll ask you a bigger question. I'll ask you a better question then. Go on then. Because you mentioned it earlier. You were starting to say something about do we need to play both Cami Devlin and Benny Benningham? <laughs> <laughs> now, yes. the reason that I raise that is because I think that goes alongside the Robbie Nielsen isn't the right man style of questioning. Because I think removing two of our best players in a system that is generally working very well and those two players especially have been almost flawless at home. No winning for the league games, mate. Yeah, but they've always been good. I would say at Aberdeen, they were all bad, but I'd give both of them two of the highest marks on the day. Are we giving marks on the day? Jesus. But you know what I mean? Like, no. Craig Gordon yeah. gets the highest mark. Craig Gordon was our man. Craig Gordon gets the rest of the team's combined total. Yes. And then I'd say our two then best players were... Cammy and Benny even though they weren't very good I still think it says oh, so I'm much not, about I'm, them I'm not sure I'm having that I'm just oh, I'm just nervous I, I, I can't I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game which makes me want to reenact the Motherwell match I'm going to leave here early doors I plan to be in the boozer for 11 o'clock there's not a hope in hell's chance oh, I'm, watch, I'm watching this sober going to watch the, the Manchester derby with a couple of my mates beforehand go around to the game hopefully see a commanding performance because I really don't want to have to drunk tweet on Saturday night why I'm upset and angry. Oh, we've had we've had previous yeah. with that. It's so a bad thing we're gonna, to do. It's either that or I delete the app come three yes. o'clock. I think um, that's wise. Who would you play them? What would be your selection? Gordon and Goal. Back three of Suter, Kingsley uh, and I see a lot of shouts for Taylor Moore. Is now the time to bring him in for Halkett? I don't feel as though Halkett was responsible for the Aberdeen goal. I think it was more the St Johnston one. Robbie seems to rate Halkett. So I'll stick by He's also been one of our best players this season. Yeah, I'll I'll stick with him. I'll go Suter, Halkett, Kingsley. Uh, Smith and Cochrane have to be the wing-backs. Oh, God. I'm just... If you do drop one of them, I'm just interested to see what you do. Because I can't think of what you do. You know... Especially if you're maintaining this 3-4-3. I know you know I love Benny Benningham I do 
just... I like that you're dropping him I because just... my best mate is undroppable the now. I just think I just think Benny could do with a little take out the team given the set piece goals seem to be pinned on him. I, I, I don't feel as though there is justification for the Aberdeen one because like I say it's more Brown's intelligence mm-hmm. and I was starting to think about this I was thinking you know we've ranted and raved about how Benny Beningham is at hearts and we accept that great players aren't at hearts for long so then I was wondering what's the catch because we haven't seen anything up to this point and I was like that would be harsh to suggest that kind of him defending set pieces would be I'll go Cammy Devlin And if you say Andy Halliday, I'm going to throttle you through the Zoom. And I was tempted to say Jamie Walker, but I'll go Aaron McInef. Interesting. What's your front three? Mackay, Janelli, and Woodburn with Nandwilly off the bench. Interesting. But he's not gonna he's not gonna go for that, so I don't know why I've said that. But <laughs> No, but it's it's what you would do. that's yeah, that's what I that's what I would opt for. I just think when you're up against Charlie Mulgrew and Ryan Edwards, two of them tall, solid, we want to be in and around them, trying to take advantage of I don't know, even just Janelli's pace, Barry Mackay kinda of drifting in centrally, receiving the ball, slipping Ben Woodburn in, needs that goal to get off the mark. It all seems to make sense for me. But that's just my personal opinion. I would go with Gordon, Kingsley Halkett, Suter, Smith Cochrane, Benny Cammy, Gino, Mackay, Nandwilly, because Nandwilly's last goal in the league came against Dundee oh, United. Of course. That was off the bench, uh, mind you. It was off the bench, in fairness. It was, Gino's assist was also off the bench in that true, game as well. Um, so hopefully he just hates Dundee United and <laughs> loves scored against them. But it's it's going to be interesting, regardless of what they play. I'd like to see if we're... No, I was about to say if we're having a bit of trouble, but I'd like to see him at any point. I'd like to see Aaron McInerf feature in, in some way, uh, off the bench, whatever. If he does start, as long as he doesn't drop Devlin for him, I'll be, I'll be happy for it, because I just love Cammy Devlin with all my heart. Yes, we know. <laughs> you you cannot criticise people for no, showcasing that's, that's love true. to others. That's true. The, the, the Benny Beningamy loving was... You've yeah, made one of our players a monarch. Like, I'm nowhere <laughs> near that so far. Hey, he is royalty. What a Brilliant. lovely, wonderful young man. What is your score prediction? Oh, God. I have to back us, don't I? I don't want to, because I just... Do you know what? These who scored previews, I've decided I'm not going to back Hearts in reverse psychology in the hope that we then pick up three points. So I'm going to say one each for my preview. However, if you're asking me personally, oh, Heart of Midlothian 2, Dundee United 1. Keep the faith. Back to winning ways. Come on. PMA all the way. This is where we're at. What's interesting is, in our predictions last week, I actually predicted us to get one point out of six, but the reverse way round. I thought we'd get beat in Perth and draw away Aberdeen, and the opposite happened. So that was a I asked four points from six. <laughs> yeah, you did, you did indeed, you did indeed. Keep the, un- keep the unbeaten run alive. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about, mate, which is why we will succumb to our second loss in as many games. No! And I'm going to go 2-0 Dundee United. <laughs> 2-0 United? Yeah, I who, just think it's... Who's I grabbing those goals? Mulgrew and Edwards? Charlie Mulgrew and Edwards, yep, for set pieces. That's what's happening. You heard it here oh first, but probably not last. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's gonna. We're now going to go into a little dip of form. Don't, with boys. don't say that. Please don't say that. Tap them. However, we will see what happens because that is the end of this episode. A longer episode, but of course, because we had two games to cover, one was far negative than the other. But it's always more fun to speak about bad things because you get more impassioned about it oh yeah especially yeah Thank, thanks hearts for the positive performance first yeah you've done you've done us a right yeah. turn everybody's yeah, exactly. probably switched off after st johnston and thought oh i'm certainly not listening to this exactly but if you have been listening and you're still listening massive massive <laughs> thank you we are of course the Perth to paisley podcast you can get us on all the socials at Perth to paisley it's below us on the youtube version but also there for the audio listeners also if you are listening to us on just a podcast platform please leave a review on whatever podcast platform that is it massively helps us out however if you're watching us on youtube please leave a like comment and subscribe it's massively massively helpful to us also we've got an email address because we're in the 21st century so that's pettipaisley at gmail.com if you want to give us a shout for anything topics to discuss questions for us or just generally saying that you like our stuff that's much appreciated adam where can they get you on social media you can get me for all my drunken tweets and all the other shenanigans <laughs> at Adam T. Kendall and what about yourself, mate? You can come to the number one Andy Haldy fan page at dmcivert 22 We'll be back next week to discuss all the fallout ahead and after of the Dundee United game and ahead of the international break because that's back. So that'll be Yay. some laugh. But until then, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Come on now!